0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
2: Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina's On The Beat. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. we sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. it is a new format of on the beat to sort of create some more as i said earlier off the air human interaction from our fan base and our people in the chat shout out to everybody that's already in here apologize to folks that have been waiting for an hour because um, i had eight o'clock on the youtube stream for some reason so appreciate everybody for sticking around um, what we're going to try to do here is we're going to try to sort of bring the beat more to you guys um and let Adam and Jeremiah and Evan talk about what they actually see on the beat that we don't get to see sitting at home watching on television. So we're going to do it this way. And if anybody has any suggestions, otherwise, I'm all ears. And that includes the three of you guys, because y'all are what this show is all about. We're going to have a segment, Best Quote of the Week. For this show, we're going to do for the first nine games, since we've got that much to cover. But Best Quote.
3: Oh, I didn't even realize it was first nine games. Yeah, hey, yeah, you could t- well, even
2: shit. though I'm a, I'm gonna be honest, the best quote for me if I pick one was the other night. Not going to say what it was, but it All was right, good. I got one.
3: mine chosen, but anyway, sorry to interrupt TA. No, I got you're, excited.
2: We're going we're going to go first nine games. Uh and then we're going to have best moment, whether it was on the floor in the locker room, on the road, whatever, your best moment and then we're going to have an anecdote from the store, from the road. And Jeremiah, I cut Jeremiah off earlier, full disclosure, because I want him to tell the story that he started to tell off the air. And then for the last half of the show, we're going to have a debate between these guys. They'll have to choose a side and defend it. Um, I'm going to give them an option of, of which side they're going to have this time. But down the road, I'm just going to say, tell me why uh, – you know, Pax Wojcik should be the starting point guard. Something like that. Could be off the wall. It could be relevant. This week, it'll be pretty simple. Keep it easy for these guys. But anyway, fellas, are we ready? Are we ready to handle this? It's because exciting. This is exciting. And, and I would go-
3: say let's encourage as much audience participation as possible. Fire yes. them off. Just whatever you need.
2: Look, and I want critical in the chat. I want positive in the chat. I want questions in the chat. Get all in it. Say what you want. I'm I'm slow with the band hammer. I'm not John Bowman. John Bowman will ban you in a heartbeat. As long as the bots don't show up, we can roll and have some fun with this. So let's get right into it. North Carolina 7-2. and Lost a good ball game to UConn the other day. Adam, I'm not going to start with you because I gave you first dibs on the debate topic. Jeremiah, coming to you. Best quote you heard In the first nine games of the season from a Tar Heel or otherwise?
4: Yeah for sure uh well the one that I decided to roll with actually came the other night um we were post game in the locker room obviously after UNC had lost and you know clearly it's a it's a game against you know the national champions and a team that's currently top five a team that's already you know put a lot of good tape on film and so Uh, we're we're post game and you know, RJ Davis is sitting there and there's, you know, kind of the scrum around him at this time, the locker room is relatively empty just to kind of paint the picture uh, in Madison square garden a little bit. Uh, Martina Bacot was actually to his right. And, but you know, at this moment we're, we're talking to him uh, and Armando might've actually left at this point as well. And so I actually, um, I asked RJ, Hey, you know, you just played a game against the defending champions. You know, they were able to compete with them at parts, but ultimately they won by double digits. And I'm like, you know, what do you think this team needs to do to kind of get to that level? Or I think I asked him actually, how close do you think you guys are, uh, you know, to getting on that echelon that a team like UConn is. Uh, and so the quote that I have down and I actually uses my story, he said, you know, the first thing he said was, I think we're right there. And then he went on to continue. I don't think we're too far off. I think it's just the little things, but I'm confident in this team. And I think the interesting part of this, interesting part of this quote is he said, I know we have a lot of newcomers, but what they bring to the table is something that we've been missing. So I think when you get that insight from R.J. Davis, someone who's been around for obviously four years now, um, you know, he's seen I don't think he's ever been on a UNC team that started seven and two uh, and certainly not one that had two ranked wins nine games into a season. So the reason that one probably stuck out, the reason that one stuck out to me is because, you know, with the experience that he has and obviously just fresh off of, you know, playing in a game where, you know, you had seventy six points uh, against the national champion and seventy six points they scored also was a season low for them. Uh, so I thought that was a an interesting one for him just kind of, you know, having the chance to measure themselves up against a team like UConn and, you know, that being his immediate reaction. So that's why I ultimately picked that one.
2: Yeah, I like it. And it's certainly relevant. And RJ, to your point,'s been around long enough to, to know exactly what's needed there. Adam elder statesman on the beat give me a quote mine's still out there
3: well i it's probably a good thing that that i didn't know this was opened up to the entire season because you know me i probably would have had an impossible time choosing i was even thinking about this summer when we were out there at the armando uh, frosted flakes nil situation and he said <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll always love Caleb. It's just a divorce, but we've got kids together. That might be the <laughs> best quote that has maybe ever been said in recent memory. Um, But, hey, how can you not choose one from Armando Baycott? I mean, this is a team, this is a basketball team that has fantastic quotes in R.J. Davis and Harrison Ingram. I love talking to these guys, even a con quote. Uh, but I chose one from Armando. Again, I thought it was of recent vintage, uh, so I'm going to pop up my little Microsoft Word thing here, actually notes (laughs) app. So in a three minute and 11 second span after they beat Tennessee the other night in Chapel Hill, Armando said, among other things to me, uh, that he'd only been sleeping two to three hours a night since they got back from the Bahamas because he said he felt like he played like doo-doo. He said that it was a personal game to beat Tennessee for him and RJ because he felt like Tennessee bullied them at Mohegan Sun two years ago. Again, this is all in three minutes. He said he knew he would be playing better once he got back to his kingdom, I guess Chapel Hill. Uh, and he also said that they were this close, and if nobody can see it, I'm holding up my index finger and thumb to getting Dalton connect. Obviously, the dude for Tennessee that had, what do he have, 37? 37, 37. Tennessee the other night. We, we knew that Carolina was recruiting him or attempting to contact him. Armando said it was this close. Again, this was all in three minutes and 11 seconds. But the quote that I chose was, He said, he had said earlier, I heard him when I was going over to where Armando was, I thought I heard him say we wanted to put people on notice. So I asked him when I got over there, I was like, did I hear you right on that? And he said, definitely that was our goal, to put the college basketball world on notice. We didn't like the outcome in the Bahamas, and we felt like we kind of left a lot of money on the table. And as he said, we felt like we left a lot of money on the table. He had this grin across his face um, that was a mile wide. Because he was insane, he was he was it was a wink wink to some of us who may or may not have seen some of the Tar Heels in the casino down there <laughs> at the Atlantis Resort. And I mean, I don't want to air anyone's secrets here, but some people, maybe the big man, did lose some money down there a little bit. But I thought that was amazing. Uh, we felt like we left a lot of money on the table in the Bahamas. So that was that was the quote I chose.
2: That is uh, that is Armando. Hey, but you can That's, say yeah. that. That's you can 20, say that when you're, what, 24, 25 years old, too. So, hey, it's legal. He, he's, he's the man.
3: I mean, we. The, some of the older people that have been around a while, I've, I've talked to some of them recently, and they're like, eh, it's really going to be bad when Armando leaves from just a reporting standpoint. So he just gives, he's, There's no question he's not comfortable with, and he doesn't dodge a question. And then he gives you, you know, get the twinkle in his eyes and gives you one of those. Left a lot of money on the table. So thought it was hilarious.
2: <laughs> Indeed. Evan Rogers, I know you weren't at Madison Square Garden, but you've been around a lot over the last uh, month or so, I guess. Give me one of yours. I do love the Baycott reference, though, Adam. Those, guy, those type guys are hard to come by in this day and age, especially when everybody – is trying to cancel people out for saying silly stuff and all that. He, Baycott's definitely one of a kind. Evan?
5: Yeah, kind of going off Adam's point, this year's team is, is really enjoyable to talk to. I mean, like he said, Armando's always going to be good. Harrison is really fun the guy to talk with, and, and RJ's RJ. Uh, but I kind of went with the Hubert Davis route. Uh, this came after the Florida State game. He also uh, kind of reiterated this point in similar fashion during the weekly media – or weak media availability he had before they went up to New York on Monday. Uh, but it came in a question that I thought, you know, made, made sense given how they came back against Florida State. And, and he was asked somewhere along the lines of, of, does winning this type of game help sever the ties of last season? And, and Hubert Davis went on to say, this is this year's team. I'm not thinking about my first or second year. We have seven new players on this team. I don't think anyone is thinking about last year. And this is a point that I think is super important just because after the Florida State game, even after the UConn game, a little bit, if you look around Twitter or whatever you you get your your information from, there's a lot of statements like last year's UNC team would have won slash lost this game by X, and I and I understand where that comes from just because of how last year went, just a historic kind of downfall, collapse, whatever you want to call it, um, but I think it's important to you know, nine games into the year, kind of let this year's team build its own narrative and kind of form its storylines and then kind of make its own mark. I remember Armando saying last season, toward the end of it, this might've come after they lost to Virginia in the ACC tournament, or it might've come during the summer, something like that. He basically said last year was just a big hangover, kind of people always talking about the magical run they went on and, and how they couldn't replicate that. And it's something that I think this year, you know, fans or, Viewers or anything along that kind of need to shy away from and kind of just, you know, they have seven new guys. They lost nine scholarship players from that team last year. A lot of those guys in the locker room, you know, don't even really understand the the behind the scenes of how last year went down. So I think it was just a kind of an important point that Hubert made uh, to kind of just allow this year to kind of build its own narrative off what they're doing this season and not what they're doing in comparison to kind of how last year went. And it kind of also showed, I think this year, if you listen to Hubert and how he's talking and and handling specifically in his media availabilities, you can kind of sense he's taking more of a a coaching control in a way. It seemed like the last two years, maybe there were times where it felt like he was maybe the spokesman or or just trying to keep all the parts together, but you can kind of see a different approach from him and, and a growth this year that I think has really paid off.
2: I love it. I love that you bring that up. I mean, this team has had to answer questions. Last year, they had to answer questions about the year before, earlier this year. I like how R.J. Davis the other day said, I'm done talking about last year. Um, And so as long as they focus on this year, and and they're still going to get those questions. It's just the nature of the beast, especially, you know, not from this crowd that's there every day, but when you get other national media coming in or whatever that shows up, those old questions are going to get asked. But none of you offered my quote, and I'm not on the beat with you, but I got to go with the park comment. Ah. And, And the reason I go with it is because it reminds me so much, and it's funny, when I heard it, I thought back to, and Baycott, of course, folks watching this should know, Baycott was asked multiple times about Cam Spencer, and he finally said, yeah, he said a lot of things he wouldn't say in the park. Um, We got the video of it. If you go to
3: the YouTube channel, (laughs) it's toward the end.
2: A great, a great comment. Um, That was interesting. That guy, what is it with those guys that come from like Rutgers that just (laughs) chirp so much, but to his credit, to Spencer's credit, he played, uh, you know, he was probably the difference in that game or one of them, but it reminded me of back in the day when we covered J.B. Sissel and I, the late, great J.B. Sissel, we covered the ACC tournament with Ed Cota in North Carolina, against Duke, and Duke beat Carolina in the ACC tournament, and Coda was talking smack in the locker room about Chris Carrawell and those guys, and the locker rooms in in Charlotte, or wherever we were, were side by side, so we were like, what'd you say, Ed? Ed said something, so we walked over to Duke's locker room and said, oh, Chris, Ed just said this. And I wish it was like it was today where everything's on the internet because it was hilarious, those guys going back and forth with dudes like me carrying old tape recorders like this right here Well, I don't have it with a little mini cassette <laughs> going back to get them to talk back in the fun days. Ed Coda, somebody in the chat said, Baycott's say national treasure. Ed Coda was a national treasure back in the day. Anyway, I like that segment because I like, The fact that you guys get to say what's relevant to you and it matters when you're covering these things so let's go to the best moment on the beat first nine games evan rogers you're first i put you on the spot oh man um (laughs) come on man you gotta go fast i think i think just the
5: character that harrison ingram is i mean that's not really a moment but like i'm gonna pull from different things wait a Um, minute
2: chat is that a moment no wait
5: well, let me let me explain let me explain there there's yeah, be, might be there's, somebody's mvp pick for the first there's, there's gonna be so. some moments um so it was it was after let's not break the rules riverside that was the game right before they're they're going to the bahamas and he's talking and answering questions and seth trimble just finished and was walking out and for people that don't know we, we talked to these guys and kind of a. I don't know. They, they get set up at these tables in a big room and you can go bounce around any guys you want. So Seth is leaving and, and Harrison's in the middle of answering question. And he kind of peers and sees that Seth's leaving. He's like, hey, Seth, like, you know, we're getting on the water park. First thing we get down to the Bahamas. Right. <laughs> and Seth was like, oh, yeah. And then Harrison goes right back, you know, middle ans- answer, mid answer, just to answering the question again. <laughs> or it was maybe the second game Lehigh or something like that. Harrison's done. He's finished early he's walking uh, behind Armano and kind of just necks him or kind of gives him a little nudge, just walking out. Um, And a lot of guys have kind of talked about how Harrison is the jokester of the team. He's kind of got that Theo Pinson-like personality in a way, which I think if you don't see him behind the basketball court, you probably wouldn't guess because he's a fiery uh, dude when he gets out on the court. I mean, he's gotten a technical this year. Uh, He's got some, some fire to him, but he also has that other side to him off the court that I think is really important for this team. Uh, so just those moments of talking about the water slide or, or joking around with Armando, especially, I mean, when you look at a guy like Armando who's been around for so long, the fact that Harrison, who's only been here a couple months, feels comfortable to where he can kind of joke around with him and mess around with him, I think that's something that kind of stands out to me early on and is something that's really important, just to the dynamic of this team.
2: I agree with that. Jeremiah, give me a moment that stood out for you um, in the past month.
4: In the past month, yeah. Um, I guess I got to – you know, go with the Bahamas, I guess, since we were there, we might as well, you know, try to, you know, use some, some code from that. Uh, I guess Harrison Ingram's involved in this one, but, uh, we were walking, this is the last day we're there. So I guess, what was this, like a Saturday or a Friday or something like that? Uh, so we're walking, it's like the, our last day and we're going to dinner and, uh, Roy Williams just casually just appears you know on our path and on our walk uh, you know to dinner he actually is with Harrison Ingram who obviously he recruited uh, you know in some of his last years at UNC uh, and so they're just casually just there and I guess we chatted up with them uh, you know just for for a little bit but I mean the Bahamas just generally speaking you know the tournament-like feel that that had kind of, I mean, MSG had that too, just the tournament-like feel. Um, and so kind of being a part of that and just casually walking by. I mean, I remember also in the Bahamas too, it was actually the first game, and I'm, you know, leaving the restroom wherever and I'm washing my hands and RJ Davis is just casually to my left, you know, also washing his hands. So we chat for, you know, I don't know, 20 seconds or whatever. Uh, so I think just that overall experience was, uh, you know, just an interesting moment. You know, just it's it's not a ton of, uh, you know, times during this season, I guess, where it's going to be, you know, everybody pretty much is just in the same like community pretty much. Uh, so, so that's what I would say if I could harken back to, uh, you know, the last or what, the first nine games this year.
2: Like I've said before, if you are a basketball junkie, go to the Bahamas tournament when they play it because you get to see the guys up close. You get to see basketball up close to Jeremiah's point. You get to see them everywhere, on water slides, on the beach, at the restaurant, at the club, at the casino. It's just – it's a wild setup, and there's no place like it anywhere um, in college basketball, the Atlantis tournament. Adam – a moment in the first nine weeks, nine games.
3: Life is about moments, isn't it, T.A.? Uh, well, just to add to, to Jeremiah, because I'd always want to support my my uh, my man, my co-pilot, uh, Roy and Harrison Ingram were going to see Stanford play. That's where they were going. We were going to dinner. We're walking past these guys, and they're going to see Jared Hass's Stanford team play. I believe it was like a dang – Eight or nine o'clock game against Northern Iowa. God bless them. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I gr- totally agree with Jeremiah. I thought that was super interesting. Uh, this is, my moment is going to be sort of a collective thing about the Big Apple, and it's going to start with. Uh, I, just let me take you there. I thought I thought it was super enjoyable after UNC beat FSU Saturday in the ACC opener. They have the 22 nothing run in the second half, which is unbelievable, just a tidal wave. The press generates all of it. I'm back there talking to R.J. Davis in the area where we talked to the players like Evan mentioned. I will always stay in there until they kick me out. I'm, I'm not leaving until they say it's time to go. So I was back there. was just me and a Daily Tar Heel reporter talking to R.J. Davis, everyone had left, and he made this comment because we're kind of talking to him about going back to New York where he said it felt like my Gauchos days. And uh, I was like, ooh, you know, I love that. I'm not sure that the Daily Tar Heel reporter got it. No offense to, to her. But, you know, he was talking about growing up playing for the famed New York Gauchos, you know, in the New York City area. And he was talking about it like they just pressed and ran and shot. You know, so I was like, I was already getting my, my juices sort of flowing. And then the, the, the moment I'm leading to is late first half, Tuesday night against UConn. It's a timeout. Hubert Davis, right in front of Jeremiah and I, goes nose-to-nose with referee Ron Gruver. I'm not sure the TV audience saw it. We tweeted about it because they're probably in commercial. But Hubert really ripped into him. And it was just so cool to see the passion pouring out of him. And this is right after Baycott had been hit with a technical. Cam Spencer had been hit, hit with a technical. Like, stuff was really starting to, like, get juiced up. I mean... You know, it's just I cannot I don't I might not have the vocabulary capable of describing what it's like seeing a big game in Madison Square Garden. And the yells from the different parts of the arena, like when Baycott, that's a follow dunk when he got the technical. Oh, from one side where the Carolina people are, you know, the yells, the the, it's it's. It's there's just nothing like it. The yells for, you know for a three for Yukon. They they were chanting UConn Huskies. And then Carolina's got tar heels. Just I mean, I get goosebumps, but the intensity was ratcheting up. And it was like, okay, here we go. This is this is on. And there's a timeout. I think it was 45.3 seconds left. Uh and Hubert just screamed in Ron Gruber's face for a long time. Not long after that, they go to the locker room for halftime. Hubert is walking right past us and ripping his jacket off. So that—that's my moment, at least from the last week, where I was like, "Dang, this is this. We've got a great vantage point here." And uh, it was just cool to see the game was awesome in Madison Square Garden. The games in the Bahamas were great. Um, the FSU game was great, but like, sort of where everything was just—you could feel the electricity, like really getting cranked up—and then that thing from Hubert where, you know, they sent the other coaches in there to the huddle to, to, to talk to the team while Hubert let – and Ron Gruver's like the guy who does Final Force. So I mean, he's a known dude. Um, and he sat there and took it from Hubert, which I kind of applaud Ron Gruver a little bit before. he allowed, You know, the big-time guys will sort of allow people to yell at them a little bit until they'll say that's enough. You know, he let Hubert go off on him. And um, Hubert did go off, and I thought the passion – and the fire from Hubert there was was pretty cool. Uh in that whole scene. Twenty thousand people, two shades of blue. It's pretty freaking awesome.
2: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And and that's what folks watching on TV don't see, Adam. And that's what's so cool when you guys get to be down low um on press row or whatever. You can right. see that type of interaction. And um yeah, credit to Groover for, for letting him do it. I think Groover was also in two thousand sixteen Final Four against Villanova. Um was he? I think, you know, he, he was one of those guys. That he yeah. does a lot of them, but yeah. But when you get the hand, and this yeah. is from my coaching experience, when they give you the hand and say, that's enough, it's time to hush. And, and uh, until you get that, you're pretty free on it. Let me talk about Johnny t-shirt, johnny t com. They sponsor this podcast, another inside Carolina podcast. And of course they're friends of you, the premium scriber subscriber of inside Carolina, you get 10% off. Christmas is still going on. They've got the 12 days of Christmas going on now at Johnny T-Shirt. Different sales, different deals every day. You get 10% off your order. They'll ship it to you. Um, You're probably pushing it. You can still get your stuff at home, I believe, but you need to get to Johnny T-Shirt on East Franklin Street if you can or get online and do it tonight and tell them you're an Inside Carolina person. Give them the code and get that premium subscription uh, discount. It's worth it. And if you don't won't that discount and think about all the premium stuff you get at inside carolina take care of them they take care of us johnny t-shirt johnnyt shirtcom
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Okay, guys, stories from the road. Now, these are ones, y'all shared some good ones already, but I want to hear some that maybe nobody else would see. or, Or maybe um inside baseball inside carolina stuff and jeremiah i'm gonna let you go first here um give me a story from the first nine games the story or, it can be any story since you started covering the beat since you are uh since you this is your first go round with this bunch this rowdy bunch T- tell me give me a good story that that maybe we'll be talking about 10 15 years from now there's some out there you got any 10 oh, 15
4: mad. years, <laughs> I guess <laughs> the, that,
2: that
4: <laughs> shoot, I mean, I guess that broadens my scope a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll I mean, the one that I had here was from last week, but I, I, I guess we could kind yeah, <laughs> of, I, know, I mean, I mean, shoot, I mean, one one that was kind of interesting when I was for, I mean, when we were in Charlotte for the uh, the uh, South Carolina game. Uh, I actually had one of my friends, or a couple of my friends, a couple of my former roommates from college, um, they actually were like at the game. So like I'm going I'm going down to meet them. And it's so loud, like on the concourse, like I can't hear myself think like people say that I could not hear myself think like it was ridiculous um, with all the Gamecock fans. and So I eventually find them and I'm actually doing double duty. So I don't really know exactly where they're sitting because I'm going down to talk to uh, Tez Walker's grandmother, because uh, this is obviously when all of that was still going on. So I go down to talk to Tez's grandma and uh, and obviously Tez's uncle is there as well. And so I go and I'll talk to her and then I'm like, all right, like I'm going to go find uh, Matt and Hampton are, are their names. So shout out to Matt and Hampton. And so I find them. And uh, they're, like, kind of, you know, they're standing. They're probably, like, in the middle of their row. So I'm expecting them to kind of, like, come out because I don't see who's sitting in front of them. So I'm expecting them to kind of, like, you know, come out, like, dab them up, things like that. Uh, So they come, and they don't, like, actually come all the way out of the row. I'm like, oh, man, just come out, like, whatever. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, why don't they? And then I, like, kind of look down, and I see the six foot ten Armando Baycott just, like, (laughs) right there at the end of the row. Like clogging it basically, uh, so I was like, okay, like at first I was like, oh, just gotta go around, but I was like, nah, they, they ain't no getting around that dude, man. So, uh, that was one that I thought was kind of funny. Just and this is before I really even am like covering Armando, like I guess I saw him at uh, I saw him in Pittsburgh, but other than that, like this is before I'm like, you know, seeing him three times a week basically. So, um, yeah, I thought that one was kind of funny. The one I was going to share, and I'm not even going to go super long on this one, but the one I was going to kind of share from a new york was obviously like adam explained the the environment that msg was um and just kind of the the difference in crowds i thought one thing that was really interesting so they play unc's like usual home intro on the video board um but instead of playing the usual kind of like warm-up song that come out or the uh sorry lineup song they come out to they made a very interesting choice they play california love by tupac in a game that was at MSG, they're out here playing West Coast rap. I'm like, all right. And I love the song. So I'm like, I'm not tripping, but I'm like, that's an interesting choice. UConn came out to hypnotize by Biggie, which I thought fit a lot more. Uh, so I don't know why UNC didn't either go with, you know, a New York song, maybe like a New York State of Mind or something. They could have either did that or they could have just picked a North Carolina song, like some pd pablo or something but i thought that was a very interesting song choice by uh by north carolina <laughs>
2: you, you can't go wrong with tupac so you evan evan give me an antidote from being an intern at inside carolina um for i guess uh, over half a year or yeah for for a good eight months now he's always been yeah spirit i feel like you're gonna be the the young padwan and be the old man one day like the rest of us. So-
3: That's a great nugget from Jeremiah, by the way. He's taking me right back there with it. We were like, "Wow, they're playing Tupac. They're playing California Love in New York City." Uh, in New York City, with right, UConn I and North Carolina play. players. Right. It was, weird. Uh, it was interesting. And then they bring out the King of New York for UConn. I mean, it's Biggie. Um. Anyway, sorry. I when he was saying that, I, it transported me right back there. Okay, I'll I'll shut up. Sorry.
5: <laughs> yeah my my trips on the road are limited so far, but um one of the fun ones was as Adam liked to call the intern field trip. Uh, this goes back to f- <laughs> football season, uh, the Georgia tech game in Atlanta. Uh, so it's me, Adam and Jalen, who's the video intern with inside Carolina. And just those, I mean, the whole 48 hours, it's just, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, we, first off we, we get off the plane in Atlanta. We're going to the rental car service. And w- were we supposed to have an SUV? Is that right? Correct me I if I'm wrong. That. Something like that. We're supposed to have an SUV. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have them left, so they you know give us a different car. We don't really know what it is, and we walk up to the parking garage where the rental cars are, and it's a a red Dodge or yeah, red Dodge Charger, just a like a hot rod car essentially. I mean, we- look like Vin Diesel should. Be <laughs> so. <laughs> we're driving that around the whole weekend and it's hilarious i mean just (laughs) the car in itself you can imagine adam driving it and then jalen and i two young guys in the car (laughs) so it's just the whole scene itself is hilarious um (laughs) then the saturday morning before the atlanta the georgia Tech game which is an 8 p.m kickoff Hmm. um the legendary jim hawkins as some people might know the longtime photographer at ic his brother lives in atlanta and we go to brunch at his brother's house in the morning, and it's just amazing. I mean, incredible. Um, so that's that. Obviously, the game in itself was crazy. Um, the post-game press conferences after the game took place in Georgia Tech's weight room. I mean, we've got Mac Brown talking and Cedric Gray and Drake May waiting, and they're sitting on, like, bench presses, squat rack. Areas. I mean, you can't make it up. It's
3: um, just completely disheveled. Like yeah.
5: yeah yeah I mean it's it's just an unreal scene I mean you have Mac talking in this makeshift corner and you have Cedric Gray looking like he's getting ready to bench two twenty five or something I okay. mean it's just it's it's ridiculous um, and then I'm not gonna go too far into detail but there was a struggle to return the rental car the <laughs> next day <laughs> that I'm not gonna go too deep into because Adam might get in trouble you had,
3: yeah. <laughs> okay, okay the so
5: may have been broken. It was ridiculous. Uh, we missed a turn, and we had to whip a U a Yui in the middle of the road into an area that was close to construction because it looked like maybe the side of the road had been taken off because of, like, a sinkhole or something. I mean, we are driving on <laughs> a closed part of the road that if Adam were maybe a foot and a half over to his right, we would have been in a 12-foot drop-off maybe or something <laughs> like that. And this is all while... You know, we we check into the airport and we're getting on the airplane as last call is going on. I think we got there like 10 minutes before the flight took off. We tied of all-
3: it like Antoine Green in the corner of the end zone at Duke last year is what we did. Because it was yeah. a sinkhole. Yeah, it was a
5: little anxious. It was crazy. All while being on about three hours of sleep after the game because we flew out early in the morning. But yeah, just that whole weekend in itself uh, is definitely something that I will probably remember for a long time
2: what cracks me up is folks think it's so glamorous oh you get to cover games you get to cover games in the Bahamas and MSG you know it is such a glamour-filled job Adam give me a quick story I know you have a ton of them Um, pick one to share with our folks that they'll find humorous because I've heard a few
3: I love these. These have been great. And, again, I think it's actually good that, that I was thinking this is just from the last week because, I mean, you know, <laughs> I might have been on information overload. Um, but, so, anyway, um, this for whatever reason, this is the Armando and also college basketball show out of my uh, 40-year-old brain over here. Um, so this is going to be the day that we uh, arrive in the Bahamas, which I, I think I have mentioned that, you know, we get to the Bahamas. I mean, obviously, it's 80 degrees and absolutely gorgeous. We take a taxi from the airport out to the Atlantis Resort over to Paradise Island. Literally, Paradise Island is the name of the place. You know, we get there. We're in line to check in. I mean, we've been in the place five minutes. And the first person we see that we recognize is Armando Baycott walking through the lobby of the hotel. And he sees us immediately He's waving his arms like this. I'm just grinning because he's hilarious. You know, he's coming through in slides. And, he, you know, he looks right at us. and Y'all ready to have some fun? And I was like, ah, that's, that's got to be the greatest welcome to the Bahamas moment ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, to finish the story, this was going to be my, my anecdote or whatever. Um, so we were not allowed to check in for like two or three hours because uh, I think we got there around one-ish or something. Couldn't check in to around four we go have lunch uh you know this is all first world world problems in the bahamas uh so when we finally get to check-in we're getting our stuff and uh i'm sent to room i believe it was 4204 or 4402 something like that right beside jeremiah's and we're going up to the to the floor and i've got my key and everything and i get to my door and there's a do not disturb sign on the door of the hotel room that they just gave me the key for so i'm like You know, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of hustle and bustle. People are there. People, You know, I mean, everyone's excited. They're in the tropics for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, well, shoot, man, maybe like the housekeepers or something forgot to take this off the door. You know what I mean? Like honest mistake or something. So I about, I had my key out. I about put that bad boy on there and like opened it up. But for some reason I did not. (laughs) And so I like decided to knock. So I knocked on the door since there was a do not disturb sign, and there was someone in the room. And so, like, I heard them say, "Who is it?" It was a man's voice. I was like, "Oh my God, what kind of R. Kelly situation did I just about walk into here?" You oh, know what I mean? Uh, so the guys like, "Who is it?" I said, "Uh, you know, they just gave me this room down at the front desk." And he's like, "The voice, hold on just a minute." So guy comes to the door, opens the, opens the door. And I'm looking right face to face with college basketball referee Bert Smith, who is in a long sleeve, dressed up, is in a butt, button down shirt, long sleeve, a nice collared shirt, and his boxer shorts. <laughs> uh, now, yeah, right. Welcome to the Bahamas, right? Um, I did not tell Bert Smith that I knew his name was Bert Smith, and he was a referee. He, I, I obviously had no idea who the hell I was, um, and he shouldn't know me. So we had an awkward conversation for a few seconds because he's like, well, this is my room. And I can only <laughs> if I have walked in there with whatever he may or may have not have been doing. But so I just told Burt Smith there in his boxer shorts. I was like, man, I'll just go back down there and tell him you're in the room and you know maybe there's a mix up or whatever. So I thought about it as I was going back downstairs. Maybe there was some screw up since my last name is Smith and his last name is Smith. I don't know. That was was where my brain went. So I went down there, told them they apologized profusely. Actually when they got me the new room that I became my home for the week, which was lovely. Um, Editing Evan's stories while looking out out my balcony. It was fantastic. Um, The lady went and went into the room first to make sure there was no like R. Kelly shenanigans in there. It was clean. She gave it, you know, this room is clear, poltergeist type blessing. And, uh, that's that was my room for the rest of the week. But if you Google it, uh, Burt Smith referee, you'll see him. Yeah, he, I'm sure people who have been to the Dean Dome recognize him. He's another known dude. Uh, he's a big time ACC ref. He actually had a situation in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago where he fainted during a game and it was like really touch and go. He, he ended up being fine, but he fainted during an NCAA tournament game, it was during the pandemic season. And there was all sorts of um, takes about why he might have fainted. And they, they had to get him to a hospital. And I believe he was supposed to work the Final Four the next weekend. And they, they, you know, the NCAA or whoever told him not to do it because of, I mean, he had a fainting spell. So anyway, he was upright when he was in the room uh, in his shirt and uh boxer. So that was, <laughs> that was, and of course we saw him throughout the week. I, th- he, I think he refed Jeremiah, I think he refed the UNC Villanova game, right? I think he
4: did, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, <laughs> he may have done more than one game, one UNC game, but anyway, me and could have been like, get out of my room at the Atlantis Resort.
2: <laughs> Adam tried to. I can see the headline inside Carolina Writer: Referee. <laughs> There's no telling. I'm referee, like,
3: there. maybe hit me over the head with the iron or something. <laughs> so I'm trying to come in there, you know? I, drug you
2: into the room. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> so anyway that and happened the day we got down to uh Nashville. that place has how oh, many
2: man. rooms it, it literally has a, thousands of oh, rooms yeah. and different they towers. hook you up with with one that's pretty what that's were, were there any teams with y'all on the hall
1: or in we the vicinity
3: saw, I, I i believe unc was in a different tower which is why we saw harrison and and roy when we were going out to to eat but um arkansas must have been close i don't know if Jeremiah. Would would agree with that, but we I felt like we saw Arkansas everywhere we went, and you know how hard a bunch of six ten guys are to miss. You know, I, I felt like they were close. Yeah,
4: yeah. The way it was kind of set up was so when he was telling the story about Armando checking in, so the table, let's say the table's like you know kind of up here, and we're like a little bit behind the table. Armando's walking up past us, and he's going through like to this other kind of I guess tower or whatever. So. That's where he was going. So he actually was coming back from practice because he had his uniform on. So I didn't really realize even where the arena was. I'm thinking he's, like, going to practice. So he's actually coming back from practice and presumably, like, to his room. And then also that last day – I remember, actually, that last day, uh, those Northern – when we're leaving dinner to go back to where we're staying, the Northern Iowa guys are coming back the other way, like, in full uniform. like fresh off the court or media yep. or whatever like fresh off the court <laughs> so they yeah so they would have been like in a different portion of the uh of the resort than we well not portion i guess different part of the hotel or however you, i don't know all the terms it's got the like
2: area. the royal it's got like five different buildings yeah, there yeah. We yeah, were in the like because cool. i still
3: have my room key because i thought it was cool just to say so we were in coral yeah whatever that's where which was really close to the arena i mean You want to talk about convenient, my God. I mean, you take the elevator down, you turn left, and you walk two minutes, and you're at the arena. I mean, just, you know,
2: no parking, no parking pass needed. It's a fantastic place. I I say it again, it is a fantastic place to see some college basketball. All right, guys, here's the debate portion. People in the chat, you need to listen up. Sean Crawley, you've been all over the chat. I need you to be my judge number one. Team, Team MVP up to this point of the game. We're going to sponsor this by Congruity. Our other sponsor is going to be uh, the sponsor for this segment, Congruity, a North Carolina-based national coverage business that takes care of your small and mid-sized business. They take care of payroll, HR, with top-of-the-line technology and customer service. Everything you need to grow your business, they handle the people, you handle the business side of it, make it a huge business. They did it. They expanded their business from North Carolina to the national coverage. You can do the same with the help of Congruity. Go to CongruityHR.com front slash Tar Heels. Learn more about what they do. Fill out a quick form. Get connected to the consultants. They give you an Inside Carolina people, listeners, viewers. They'll give you a free assessment. CongruityHR front slash Tar Heels. Check them out. Team uh, MVP. Can't talk. Team MVP. Carolina is seven and two. A lot of important players on this roster. I think Greg Barnes said it's the fourth oldest team in college basketball. Saw some other stats. Uh, they are way, way down the list still on bench usage, mm. um, which is fascinating to me because I felt like I guess we've been spoiled, quote, unquote, the last couple of years of not seeing a bench. I'm surprised they're as low they, as they are this year. But, Adam, start with you first. I give you the dibs. Team Vim- Team MVP so far, and you cannot pick the same person. You got two minutes to argue why your guy should be the guy.
3: Very quickly, shout out Gene Triplehorn in the chat for loving up Evan for uh, for uh, exams. I was I thought that was very sweet. I was scrolling through the chat. I'm going Harrison Ingram. Uh, hit me with the timer when I need to stop TA, but um, or I can time it over here. But let's do uh, this.
2: Yeah, there we go. Um, I mean, I don't know if it works. I'll just keep it. Go.
3: <laughs> I can roll. I can roll off all the stats you want. What is it? Fifteen points, about six and a half rebounds. He's shooting, I think, forty six percent from three this season. Um, I think he is. We. I think people knew Harrison Ingram was a good player. Pack twelve freshman of the year at Stanford. Some of the numbers he put up there is only like seven or eight guys in college basketball to do it. Uh, but I think he's been better than UNC expected, and I think. Um, This is a type of player, a scoring wing that UNC has not had since maybe Cam Johnson. Um, With all due respect to Leaky Black, um, this has been a major upgrade offensively uh, with with Harrison Ingram sort of at the small forward and even the small ball four uh, a lot of times. Um, I think he's had three 20-point games already. And I just think the different dimensions. This is a guy that can hit the catch-and-shoot three, that can get the ball on the wing – and sort of back you down and get you into the post and score over you. As we saw in the Bahamas, he can get you into the post and hit three-point shooters in the corner, out at top. Um, there are all the stats. But maybe the most important to me for Harrison Ingram is the fire and the passion and the intensity that I did not realize he played with. It is coming out with from him, and they did not have that last season. They did not have that fire and that passion and a guy who's screaming. Cormac Ryan's kind of a psycho in a good way, too. But uh, the intensity and the passion of Harrison Ingram, I think, is going to be one of the driving forces of this team. I've still got 40 seconds. I was trying to be quick. That's awesome. Uh, I think I give the, the MVP through the first nine games to Harrison Ingram, although I think R.J. Davis very well could end up leading the ACC in scoring. Armando Baycott is the most decorated rebounder in school history. Um I'm going Harrison Ingram. I think he's been better than expected, and I think he's going to be huge this season
2: for the Tar Heels. Adam Smith in under the gun with Harrison Ingram, team MVP. Ooh, that's going to be tough to top. Yeah, don't uh,
3: be shy in the chat about voting for your boy Adam here. Adam yeah, I, I, mean, uh,
2: I hear a lot of agreements there. Jeremiah is about to put it on you um, for people to consider a different tack. Somebody mentioned jury duty. I'm going to say a jury word. Do not decide now hear all of the debates before you decide who wins this is life or death here folks <laughs> you need to listen to everybody even evan as he goes last but jeremiah you're up team mvp this far can't be harrison ingram yeah team mvp so far i'm going to go with rj davis uh,
4: obviously he's leading the team with 21 points per game and it's an efficient 21 points as well it is uh he's shooting on 44% from the field and interestingly enough uh, that 44% is a career high for him. And he's also taking a career high uh, in shots around 15, 16 shots a game. So he's he's getting them up and he's making them uh, at an efficient clip. And then to even add on to that, they've had three ranked games this season. And so in those three ranked games against Arkansas, against um, uh, against Villa, uh, not Villanova, I'm sorry, against UConn and against Tennessee, he's averaging 27.6 points. So he's actually elevating his game uh, when the competition level is raised and so and he's also already had a 30 point game this season which tied a career high from him but it's not just the points when it comes to rj davis it's when he's scoring those points so he's not scoring these points when they're already up by 30 going past this other team and it's not when they're down by 20 and he's trying to you know kind of get his he's making the shots as they need he's making the shots when they need to make a comeback and when they need to uh you know go ahead and, and kind of edge into the game those are the shots that he's making. It's it's very timely shots. And his shot diet is very balanced. You know, he is getting, I think it's about seven threes a game, but he's still driving to the rim. And obviously he's shooting the the patented mid range. So um, I think he's been, and also he's been, you know, even more vocal as a leader behind the scenes than he's been, you know, throughout his career. Uh, Florida State's coach, Leonard Hamilton said that he's actually, uh, he said he's earned the right. He said RJ Davis has earned the right to kind of have this be his team and be his own team. So um, I think RJ Davis is really, coming to his own in his fourth year. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, the game is about a bucket. And if you need one to, you know, if you need one shot at the end of the game, I think that's who you get the ball to. Uh, or just at any point of the game, you just need some scoring. I think you have to roll with uh, with R.J. Davis.
2: Boom. Put Jeremiah on a clock and he lays it out. I- I'm going to say, I-, I was agreeing with Adam to start with. Jeremiah's got me thinking otherwise. Folks in the chat. If you don't vote here in the chat, you need to vote on the message boards. If you're listening to this on the podcast, get on the message boards and put in your uh, thoughts here. I'd like to have a winner here, but sometimes we have to go into the back and deliberate, and maybe the winner pops out (laughs) on the next episode. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Don and I on the Noon Dish have a chat MVP every week. We announce it the next week. Maybe we'll see that. But Evan Rogers, uh, you know, no Harrison Ingram. No R.J. Davis. You're going to have to put that big brain to work. Give us your team MVP thus far.
5: Yeah, before my clock starts, um, we are voting on the most compelling argument. Who presents their ideas in the best way? It doesn't necessarily have to be who you personally think the MVP is. Uh, We're we're going off compelling argument. So I am going to go with Elliot Cadeau. Uh, Elliot Cadeau has just been a revelation in terms of the ball moon of this team. He leads the team in assists with over four a game. He averages less turnovers a game than R.J. Davis and Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram, despite having the ball way more. Uh, over his last five games, he's got 26 assists to four turnovers. And a lot of the reason I think Harrison Ingram is shooting you know, 46% from three or R.J. Davis is more efficient in scoring 21 points per game this year is because those guys aren't having to create their own offense all the time. So at Stanford, Harrison was a creator for that team. At UNC, he's able to spot up and shoot from three. R.J. Davis was a creator for three or mostly three of his years at UNC. He has the ability now to be a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. And you've seen those guys really just thrive off of being able to catch-and-shoot threes. I mean, it's common knowledge. Catch-and-shoot threes are a lot easier than creating and, and pulling up your own kind of shot. Uh, and, and just his overall you know, impact or infectiousness as I think some of the guys have put it on this team and, and how they move the ball is huge. Uh, I think something that got hidden from last uh, night's game or two nights ago was Armando had five assists in that game. And that's just the third time in his career that he's had five or more assists in the game. I mean, that, and that dude has played a lot of basketball. Um, so I think it's a guy that if you take out of the lineup and you put R.J. Davis back as the main ball handler, the dynamic of this offense looks a lot different. So I think without Elliot Cadeau, you're seeing Harrison Ingram maybe take different shots. You're seeing R.J. Davis take different shots. You're seeing Armando Baycott maybe not get the ball when he has good position all the time. And I think without Elliot Cadeau on this team, this offense isn't as efficient as it is.
2: Wow, wow, wow. So we have Adam Smith with Harrison Ingram. We have Jeremiah with R.J. Davis. We have Evan Rogers Evan Rogers is even bringing the Daily Tar Heel folks out into the chat <laughs> to come see you, man. The guy is just, uh, he's got fans, folks, and he's gone That's with Elliot And That's
3: awesome. We love I know, really.
2: Shelby in the chat. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a party in here when Evan joins. And I must say, <laughs> compelling argument. Why are you turning red, Evan? I mean, man, it's all, this all—this is this is Evan's show. Compelling argument-wise. I might would give Evan the debate the the, no I can't say it. Adam Smith is I'm the old guy I'm going old. <laughs> no, I, I think for the fans watching and you guys make a good point. Let me ask you this, Adam and, and Jeremiah and Evan, can it, either of y'all disagree with what the other talked about? I don't I don't think you really can, can you, Adam? I
3: mean, look, I'm a team player. I loved Jeremiah's uh, line where he said. At the end of the day, the game is about a bucket. I mean, that's well said. Obviously, mine, I think my presentation was really good, especially from a charisma standpoint and a delivery. Uh, and I mean, I love Evan like my own son. That's how I'm raising him. Um, we I mean, Elliot Cadeau is a defensive liability, Evan. Uh, but I applaud Evan for uh for um you know that took some stones to go for Elliot Cadeau over Baycott. I'm gonna um, get
5: to that in a second. the fact he's a defensive liability. No, the idea of not going to Armando. Okay.
3: All right. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well,
5: I I, I think it's telling to this team that none of us mentioned Armando, and I guess I could have gone his way. But, you know, I think people are coming to realize, and I think Armando has said he's missed some bunnies that he would like to have back. But I think Armando at his peak and when he's best is when he's a garbage man, like he said, cleaning up on the offensive glass when he only has to make, you know, one concise move to get to the bucket. Like Armando is not this polished Drew Timmy like of a big man where you want him probing around and backing down and just having to do all these moves. And I think that last year there were points in the season where they were relying maybe too heavily on Armando to be the offensive creator and the fact that they have creators in RJ and Harrison and even Elliott to an extent when we're talking about distributing the ball, I think that has led to a lot of their success this year offensively and why they are seven and two through nine games. So I think, you know, when some people are like, you know, Armando needs to get more shots or Armando needs to get more shots. Maybe it's a good thing that Armando's role in terms of being the main focal point is not as heightened as it is this year. I think offensively, if Armando is, held to cleaning up the offensive glass, and if he gets deep position in the post, yeah, dump it down to him because he can drop step and finish over a lot of guys. But the fact that they're not relying on Armando to, you know, back down a guy with five dribbles and shoot a hook shot, which I don't think is his strength, I think is a big reason why they've taken a step forward this year. Let me love, ask you this. It, I love it,
3: Armando to death, just really quick. I love Armando to death. and I think he's been uh, – I think he deserves to have his jersey in the rafters of the Dean Um, But the fact is – uh, and it's an unfortunate fact. He's five. This is his fifth year. And he, like Evan was just saying, he doesn't have he does not have a post game other than to turn and to go over you with strength and the length that he does have. And he does not have much explosiveness. Um, I think he should have more post moves at this point in his career. Um, just to be honest. Um, and there were a couple of those moments the other night. I think he was four for twelve from the field against UConn. Um The length really bothered him. Obviously, that is elite. UConn is an elite team. They have the length inside. They have the shooters on the wings. They have the playmakers up top. They very well could go back-to-back. You know, but Armando had at least two, I think, of these just wild shot-put jump hooks. You know, it looked like he was doing the shot-put that did not have any chance of going in. Um, And I believe he only scored two points after the – I think he had two second-half points. Um. So I just just to add to what Evan was saying about how, like, yeah, I agree that that with the ball movers that UNC has and some of the creators that UNC has, it's helpful because I think Armando does just need to clean it up around the rim and protect the rim. His 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 defense has been a lot better is the block shots and stuff this year. So sorry to jump on your step on your toes there, TA.
2: No, let me ask you this, and, and a lot of people are saying I can't believe nobody mentioned Baycott this and that. Jeremiah, does Baycott fully understand his role on this team, do you think? Because it I think feels so. like to I'll, – I'll explain it to make it maybe easier to answer simply because I'm all over the place here. Does he understand that he doesn't have to be that guy that gets the ball at the elbow and backs somebody all the way down? Um, does he understand that he doesn't have to make those moves to score and get a bucket? Does he does he fully get that he can just be that garbage man that he talked about last year um, and just rebound and put balls back in? He doesn't have to – he hasn't developed a post game like Adam said. I mean, he's got a little bit, but he doesn't have a go-to move that most guys do by their second, third, fourth, fifth year. Um, do you think he fully understands his role on this team, uh, uh, Jeremiah?
4: Well, I mean, for those of us who read the uh, Inside Carolina coverage, man, Adam Smith uh, he had in the lead of his story that uh, he told R.J. that this is that this is his team this year, uh, and so I think Armando, I don't know that he's worried. About, I think when you already have the the rebound record kind of clinched, and that's going to end up being an unbreakable record, uh, you know, as he goes through a fifth year. I mean, he already beat it in the four games. So that's going to end up being just an unbreakable record. Um, and then when you also have been practicing the whole offseason with, uh, yeah, R.J., but then you also see the things that Cadeau can do and then the offensive, you know, Surprised that uh, Harrison Ingram has been so far. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily at a place where now he obviously wants to play well. I mean, as we've talked about, he didn't sleep well after the Bahamas trip because he wanted to play, you know, a whole lot better. Um, but at the end of the day, I think he certainly understands that, you know, there are a lot more playmakers on the team. There are a lot more players that, uh, you know, can kind of create their own shot. But at the same time, like if you give him the ball inside in the post, he's going to look to score. That's always what um, he's done. Uh, You don't necessarily want to live and die by the three, especially if he has it going. There have been some games today, today. There have been some games this year where he has had it going uh, and he is shooting pretty efficient from the field. And he's also been shooting the free throws really well this year as well. So it's actually been advantageous for him to, you know, kind of get the ball, try to go up. So, yeah, I would say that, he understands his role. I would say, the way, I mean, even the way that he's playing, he's actually second on the team in scoring, believe it or not. He's he's edging out Harrison Ingram right now. He just barely edging him out. I think Harrison Ingram probably, he might finish second in scoring Ingram, that is. But um, I would say that he understands. I mean, sure, it might be, you know, a little bit of a process getting used to that, um, but just with the different, you know, playmakers they have, I think it's, uh, it's shaping itself out.
2: It's an interesting take. It's an interesting debate tonight here on On the Beat Live, three different beat writers. Uh, They had to pick three different guys, but three compelling reasons and arguments for each player. So Adam Smith, Harrison Ingram, Jeremiah Holloway, R.J. Davis, and Evan Rogers, Elliot Cadeau. Post your winners and your thoughts on the message boards on Inside Carolina. You can do it on the free board or on the premium board. Let us know who made the best argument and who's right in your opinion here on, on the beat. It was a fun show. You know, we, we talked about it, it would be a faster paced show. I felt like it was, it still lasted an hour, taking an hour, but I think it was well worth it here. And it was enjoyable to hear you guys talk about stories from the beat that the common man doesn't get to see um, the common man or the common lady doesn't get to hear, doesn't get to see, I especially love the ones that you get to see from being up close on the action um, that, that folks just don't see. You, don't, you can't tell how big these guys are on TV. You can't tell how physical the game is on TV. You can't tell how much a lot of them talk Oh yeah, and, and chatter and, and chirp back and forth and with each other. It's just a fascinating place that you get to be um, if you're on the court covering a ball game, and that's what we're trying to do here with this On the Beat podcast going forward is to get you those stories, get you those ways. Adam, Jeremiah, Evan, it's been a pleasure. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to everybody just listening. Shout out to those folks. Check out Johnny T-shirt. Check out Congruity. And please be safe. We'll be back next week, next Thursday night, nine o'clock. No game to talk about. We will have to figure out something fun to talk about and debate ahead of that. When Carolina off until Kentucky. On the There's two season.
3: big ones coming up, TA. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't lost either.
2: Um, so these are these could these are two big ones coming. So so real in ten seconds or lefts from each of you. What about my hot take that Cormac Ryan's going to lead the team in scoring?
3: They've got a Cormac Ryan problem right now. The guy's shooting like 25% from three. (laughs) This Uh, team needs Cormac to find
2: Needs Cormac to find it from outside. (laughs) That was the difference against UConn, is UConn had multiple guys hitting multiple shots. Carolina team's good. It's really good. It could be elite if Cormac Ryan can start making some shots. We'll see. Boys, it's been fun. We'll talk next week.